3: Welcome to another SAT Talk Radio. Andrew Quinn with me in the studio today are Neil Bradley. Hello. Jason Martin. Hello. And Pierre Descoteau. Hello. This week we are doing another All and Everything or patented show format where we talk pretty much about all and everything or certainly what's been trending in the news or what's been piquing our interest of late. Um, there are several such things that we are going to talk about. Um, probably one of the the more sensational sensationalist uh, uh, topics that we have is, uh, or more popular topics, let's say, is, uh, is the Russell Brand uh, interview uh, with Jeremy Paxman, uh, a British kind of uh, British. TV pundit who has a long history of grilling politicians and you know supposedly you know giving them a hard time and getting the truth out of uh, corrupt, lying politicians this is Jeremy Paxman and Russell Brand who is a who's uh, originally a comedian slash actor slash social commentator slash celebrity slash I don't know he's a bit of everything. Yeah. Um, so he was interviewed by this Paxman character and he had a few interesting things to say and it has generated quite a lot of um, uh, commentary on social media sites, on Facebook and on Twitter and on, uh, quite a lot of alternative media news sites have carried his interview. Uh, he also followed it up with a um, with an article in the uh, the New Statesman magazine that he was editing. The article actually oh, was before. preceded oh, and that's... Supposedly that's why, that's he, why he brought got on the show okay. to discuss it, yeah. Yeah, so in the state in the, in the article on in Statesman he says pretty much more or less the same thing that he said in the interview, so it's just a, a a repeat. Um so we're gonna be discussing that uh, as well as other more events of a perhaps a more global nature, uh, in the form of um well we've a lot of this past month of uh, october we've had a lot of or can, the the um the earth changes the weird weather the extremes uh on our planet in terms of the climate have been continuing as they have been uh for months and months and well years now so it's kind of you know every day every time we do one of these all and everything shows there's always a bunch of weird weather mm mm-hmm. And stuff, and it does tend to repeat. But it bears repeating that that it is repeating uh, every month, month on month throughout the year. Well, it,
4: what, what makes it newsworthy as well is is the change. You, you can actually just with casual browsing. I mean, you would need to do some serious research to come up with figures. But I I'm pretty sure that from what I can see, it's newsworthy because you can see the scale of things getting worse and worse week by week. Yeah, yeah. I mean there was a time when we would actually go, oh well, did you hear about that? There was another fireball scene to now they're saying, oh yeah there were 16 fireballs caught on tape over the US last night alone.
5: Yeah, the re- repeated observation helps to uh, define trends. Is this phenomenon on the increase? Is it stable? Is it decreasing? And to uh, to define the trends, you uh, need a, a long enough observation. And this last month have uh, shown that uh, most of the weather change, cosmic change, we've been uh, mentioning for years now, are following the same uh, increase pattern. Uh, yeah. Although uh, well, maybe later we're going to talk. Uh, we can talk about the hurricane and, and typhoon season. Uh, 2013 because hurricane uh, season is almost over so we can uh, draw some conclusions about uh, this specific topic
4: okay Um brief mention also to a shout out to the US government for narrowly avoiding defaulting on its currency well there isn't really much to say here other than that they've done the same thing they did before they postponed it This time, they've only postponed it some four months into the future, so come early February, we're going to find ourselves in the same situation where there'll probably be a government shutdown, followed by the same uh, phony argument back and forth between the Democrats and the Republicans about what to slash, what to cut, you know, to save money, Money, money they don't have anyway, that they can just, that they are liberally printing to keep things going. It's a confidence game and for now Japan, China and the other large countries on the planet are, are playing with it. But you can bet that they are preparing for already, they've, they've got plans in place for the time when the US dollar as the kind of global currency is no longer the global currency.
5: Yeah, and uh, we announced during the, the, one of the previous shows when we addressed this topic of the U.S. bankruptcy, quote-unquote, that uh, the end result would be, obviously, to reduce even more the benefits for the U.S. citizen, the pensions, the health, all the social services, and, uh, and that's a kind of historization game, you know, the... Not so subtle threat either. Okay, we're about to get bankrupt, so we have to do anything not to get bankrupt. Imagine if we get bankrupt, what the catastrophe would be? Then you prime citizens to accept uh, the unacceptable.
1: Well, I mean, there's kind of another angle on this because, like, when you talk about it, with when you start mentioning like pensions and 401ks and, <laughs> and all this stuff and inflation and all that stuff, you, it sounds really boring. But actually, what we're looking at here is like. <clears throat> The single greatest mass orchestrated con game in the history of the world is finally coming to the end. It's getting really close to falling apart. It's going to blow up at everybody's faces. It's really like it's it's of epic proportions. I mean, it's like Tolkien esque with like this massive epic story that has been going on for like thousands of years and is leading up to this big explosion and. I don't know I mean so
4: is Russell brand right then when he
1: says, "Now is the time? Uh, no, of course not Russell, Russell <laughs> brand is, is an actor
6: <laughs> he's, he's,
1: hes I mean you know when, when we talked about it the other day of like politics being show business
6: mm-hmm.
1: and like there's more and more show business people getting i mean there's going to be a point at which there's like there's no distinction between a politician and a movie star and
3: like a tv star anymore you know well it hasn't been since ronald reagan right i know yeah,
1: exactly. exactly it's like now they're just like forget about it i mean he's he's an actor
3: but it's not because he's an actor that he's not
5: right when no, you say no, it's no. time for revolution
1: no 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 but he's picked because what he says i mean he's given airtime i mean this There's probably no CIA handler. There might be, but he probably doesn't know about it. Who's sitting there in his room, coaching him on what to say. And then you're going to say, it's not like that, but he's chosen and put in the media because, you know, he's an attractive face. He's kind of humorous, you know, he's got a little bit of flair for the drama. And he says a couple of things that are well, okay. It's a little bit edgy, but
5: And what he says is not uh, revelations. It's been in the air, it's been in the mind of a lot of people, so it's just taking the obvious, Yeah, finally. Yeah,
3: yeah. just back before we go to Russell Brown, just on the topic of, you know, you saying it's a, a kind of a, a monstrous con game that's finally coming to an end. It kind of is, i was just thinking about the actual mechanics behind it. Um, you know, way back when, at some point, I don't know, maybe 100 years ago or something, you know, they set up the economic system in such a way that... um uh, that one country, America, would be preeminent uh, uh, global uh, power, you know, an exceptional nation, blah blah blah, and it had the means to to, to show that it was and to enforce its its might might makes right type of policy. And um, but it was like, yeah, it was a con game. It was basically screwing over the little people, favoring the rich and the elite, and all that kind of stuff. And it seems like they set it up and they said, okay, we can do this. Uh, but I think. It's got to the point where they've done it for so long. They just, I mean, it's just been an increasing, increasingly they've wanted more and more and more continually. They're pushing it, pushing it, pushing it to get more and more. And it's out of their control at this point. You know, it's like there's nobody stage managing, I don't think. Mm -hmm. Stage managing is a collapse of the economy or the the complete default of the American government or the American nation type thing. Uh, It's like they... It's just beyond their control at this point, you know, and uh, they don't even know where it's going to go. There may be other factors, other uh, factors that come into play to actually define how the thing will collapse. But it's—I don't think that's of human design. It's almost—it's almost like Terminator Two, you know—the oh. computer system has, <laughs> has become, oh, yeah. has become sentient and is going to destroy itself just because, you know.
1: On that topic, it's you been know, set on a course, you know? Like Microsoft has this gigantic room. I think it's—it's it's quite large. And it's got just about every computer or type of computer that they run on, right? And they have this huge testing and all these testers, supposedly, this is what they have, right? And they still can't guarantee Windows and it still crashes and they still have to, you know, so this whole idea that these guys are going to stage manage this thing, like every little thing, and they're turning knobs and calibrating things, yeah, that is a little bit ridiculous. I think there are people who think that that's what's going to happen. They think that they're in control, but, I mean, the best played plans of mice and men,
5: mm-hmm. you know. And some control to some extent in, for some crises, some bubbles. I mean, there are evidence of uh, stage-managed uh, uh, financial bubbles. But I think what Joe said is... Well, when
3: it it stage manages, is, I say stage-managed, I don't mean... I mean, greed stage-manages something in the sense that greed is the over, overarching principle that is, that is pushing the whole system in a, in a certain direction. But at a certain point that greed will collapse in on itself. And it's that process of collapse that the greedy people don't really control. It's just, you know, mm-hmm. they, they may see it coming and may kind of try and get as much out of it before it happens and they'll have a heads up before the ordinary people. But uh, as far as how it's going to affect the entire planet or a large portion of it, I mean, that's anybody's guess. I, 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 love I mean,
5: there are several kinds of collapse. I mean, there are manufactured collapses, Real estate in 2008, uh, new technologies in 2000, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and there are some other collapse or collapses that are not engineered, uh, at least by, uh, by the, the elites. But what you say, I think it's important. It's not black and white. Uh, you can very well have a, a situation, a collapse, where the elites in power do not control what is going on. But uh, I don't know what it is about them that control them that might control the situation and pull the plug at the optimal moment for their plans. That's not mutually exclusive. They have control and no control, depending on which level you you deal with.
1: But isn't that always kind of like the sad hope of it all? Is that somewhere there is someone powerful enough to be in control. Like even if you're... Even if you want to talk about some kind of god or something or some demonic, whatever, the devil, who knows. But at least there's someone driving the car, you see? but The yeah. whole idea that we might be careening towards a cliff yeah. and there's nobody driving the car.
3: Well, that's what's going to screw people over in the end because when the <clears throat> curtain gets pulled back and people realize that there is nobody in control you know, of a collapse, let, let's say, that the elite will just say, well, listen, you know uh yeah things have changed here uh we're just gonna you know cover our own asses type of thing and whatever happens happens sure they'll react to social unrest and stuff like that but the cause of the social unrest that the the conditions that create this mass social unrest say an economic collapse you know no food in the stores no pensions being paid whatever no government you know uh, paychecks being issued no food stamps for example which there have been signs of like food stamps uh being cut off to certain people in, in, in recent weeks and stuff, that kind of thing I don't think is planned. It's just a, it's symptomatic of yeah. just intense greed pushed to a limit where it's just not sustainable anymore, and the whole thing
1: it's like starts a virus, to spring you know? leaks. I mean, I'm sure a virus has a kind of plan, but I don't think that things are really going to end up the way the virus <laughs> plans. You know, exactly. <laughs> He's like, oh, let's take everything over, and it's mm. like, yeah, it, but then he'll die. It, it has a design. It has a function, yeah.
4: and within a set of parameters, they will act on the host in a certain way. You can predict the range of things, but that's the extent of
1: it. It's At a like certain in, point, the person collapses and dies.
3: It's like in Ponerology, the, the famous quote that was repeated often enough from Ponerology where Lobachevsky says that uh, uh, the virus doesn't know that it would it be consumed or destroyed in the flames uh, that burn the body that it has ultimately killed, but it too will be destroyed, you
5: know. so. And at the same time, when you look at history, you see some plans Mm -hmm. that span over decades. There is this famous example of the Vietnam War, where you had U.S. forces moving assets around Vietnam at the time, into China, before the end of Second World War. Mm -hmm. You had other examples of plans being developed over generations. Mm -hmm. So it suggests that... uh, Maybe an analogy is like in a concentration camp. You have couples that are... Who? Couples. Uh, couples, it's uh, inmates, but yeah. uh, they became uh, guards as well because yeah. they seem to have a proclivity to violence and control. Like psychopaths on our planet now, you know? And they create a lot of violence and uh, a lot of control and people are suffering in a concentration camp. At the same time, you have are another level and they're not necessarily aware of the grand plan i.e. the eradication of some uh, specific populations. Mm-hmm. But I don't mean that there's no one above the couples who has a grand plan about mass extermination and a, a specific
1: vision of the world. No, it's like the perfect analogy is the prison. I mean, because most prisons, the bars are not what keep the prisoners in. It's actually the the prisoners themselves that ensure – because at a certain point, they could all just move as one entity and just escape. I mean, they really could because the bars are not that great. There's not that many guards. But there's so much factionalization. There's so many you know uh, resources or like snitches and stuff like that. And they have this whole web and network of inner politics. And that's actually what keeps the prisoners inside the prison is that more than the bars.
3: Mm-hmm. And then the same is true for life. What keeps – it's a, yeah, and it's a kind of a key point, in a way, um, for those who are into conspiracy theories, trying to figure out uh, what's really going on.
1: Who's on first?
3: Yeah, all that kind of stuff, you know, because obviously there are conspiracies. People do conspire together to do things. But um, there seems to be, for me, there's a kind of a division between people who <clears throat> think that there's no conspiracies, uh, that it's just incompetency or just, this is just normal life. And then people who think that there is this overarching controller that our group that's controlling and controls it over long, long spans of time, you know. But that seems really implausible because if you look at all the stuff that's happened over the past, you know, look, at the course of course, the past 100, 113 years, say, since the beginning of the 20th century. Right. If you look at all of that and you see things that have happened and the way human society has degraded, you... Would be you would be could be forgiven for thinking that someone somewhere at the beginning say of the 20th century said listen human society let's amass wealth into the hands of a few people take it away from the the masses of ordinary people let's make the ordinary people sick let's feed them really crappy unnatural food Uh, let's um, you know let's tell them the things that are that are good for them or bad for them and vice versa. Let's get them addicted to consumerism. Let's get them addicted to selfishness. Let's make it a century of the self. Let's do all the things that are against human nature, that are kind of anti-human nature. Because when you look at it, that is more or less what has happened. So it's not hard to say, well, maybe someone planned that. But then it's really hard to find a plausible uh, explanation or any evidence for someone being able to plot such a scheme and carry it out through a few generations like the p- original people who came up with it died uh not you know within you know the first kind of right. after the first 30 or 40 years they were dead and somehow they had to pass it on this same plan and people had to be committed to it and right. carry it through to its ultimate conclusion mm-hmm. it's very hard to find a, uh evidence for that or even an argument for it you know well, I think it for these guys it's kind of like you know playing
1: cricket and then you teach your son to play cricket and, and you know for us we like you know in America, you know, a dad likes baseball, teaches the kid, the kid likes baseball, they watch the baseball games, they play baseball, they learn baseball statistics. And I think for these super mega, mega rich, old blood families that, you know, they play this power politics game. And I think that it's all kind of like very Plato's Republic, noble lie, kind of create the utopian society. I think they actually, I mean, no one sits down, I think, and says, hey, you know, let's just rape and pillage everybody. It's It's more like... People need to be controlled is what they tell them. So Mm. people need people are so hopelessly whatever that they need to be controlled. Mm. And in order for society to work smoothly, they say it's like a machine and some cogs are smaller than others. Mm. And they are lower in the machine and they need to keep their place. And they can't be uppity and start thinking that they're going to be over here, over there. And they want to keep society like a fixed machine with this lower base of all these cogs doing all their things and That stagnates society that destroys society that oppresses the spirit of societies and of course ultimately it fails because it's a really stupid idea hmm. But the other the other question
3: then and not though is that aren't these people just ordinary human beings as well Okay, been, they can be greedy and stuff, but they really seem to push to a point where they really destroyed it I and mean, they, they seem to have this uh, unnatural uh, level of greed and selfishness that would posit that you know because you think left their own devices these people can have control. Right. I mean, you look back at history and there's loads of ways that they could have had large amounts of control, large amounts of wealth without doing the kind of crap that they've done to really screw things over. So it's almost like there's a destructive principle in yeah, there somewhere they want That's to right. destroy. They don't just it's not just greed and me me me, but they want other people to suffer at the same time because sure. it seems like like that would be a requirement to get to work on yeah
4: yeah well that's backed up by looking at individual cases and it's very very hard not to come away from seeing that along the way part of the motivation was that they enjoyed it
5: yeah of course a psychopath and if I was a bad god a psychopathic god and I enjoyed the suffering of human beings but I'm kind of lazy so I don't want to do it directly
3: so I just spread some psychopaths on the planet. I would make a few in my image. Mm-hmm. I would make a few human beings in my image perhaps <laughs> if I was a psychopathic God.
5: <laughs> yeah.
3: Like like as the Bible says. But it's yeah. all of us aren't made in God's image. It's just a few of us. A few of them made in God's image. Well, this is what it comes down to.
4: This planet has... I mean, the more, the more I, I learn, and I think, well, I hope I'm learning, and the more I see... The more complex it is. I mean, there are so many different types of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we're, we're all individuals, but you can more you can sort of see that there are, a set, you know, different sets of types. It's not it's not a, a limitless number of types, but there's still a, a broad range. So, well, for example, when I hear Russell Brand talking about uh, revolution. Okay, he's on, he's on a right note for me when he says, well, I mean more revolution of, of the mind, revolution in consciousness, than you know, take to the streets with, with pitchforks, but a revolution for one person can mean something very very different right. for the next person, and in fact, Lobachevsky and Ponology warned about this um, revolutionary ideas and how they, they take seats in different
5: minds, depending mm-hmm. on that person's character yeah. and his. well the revolution has two meaning there is the the meaning attribute to those historic events the French Revolution the English Revolution and uh, in astronomy a revolution is yeah, the kind of rotation a
7: circle, you know?
5: of a planet and uh, between the moment in uh, location a and in time it goes back to the same location which is ironic because when you look at history yeah. most so-called revolution led People to be under an oppressive regime. Yeah. There is some change that leads to another oppressive regime. Right. Meet a new boss, same as the old boss. Mm. So it's more an anastro nomic revolution than a social or economic or
3: human revolution. What's depressing about that is that at this stage, that's the best that's on offer. You know, I mean, I, I would go for a revolution. Um, that ultimately results in the same kind of system being put in place but at least with a revolution you would have an opportunity for things to change to get rid of some of the evildoers and stuff even if other evildoers come along afterwards because I really don't see any other option and if it's either continuing to live in the system that that we have lived under and are living under and just watching it get worse and worse to the point of self-destruction or having some kind of mass unrest where at least it gives you you know a couple of years of breathing space or a few
1: well, you know, yeah, there's your, this misattributed quote to Einstein. I don't think he actually said it, or but there's this whole, you know, the definition of insanity is performing the same action repeatedly mm. and expecting a different result. Yeah. And so you have to ask, I mean, I think that uh, what I would envision for, for human society is for them to fix this particular problem without having to have a revolution because mm. the revolution has never solved it. It's never, ever led to something better. Yeah. I mean, even when we talk about the fall of the Roman Empire, right? I mean, you know, that's this whole big problem and all the assassins got killed and stuff and there was just running around these purges and all this stuff, and what did it lead to? You know, an even worse system of government was installed. The Imperial Rome was in I mean, mm. it never leads to anything good, you know. The American Revolution didn't particularly lead to anything good, you mm. know. And, I mean, cuz right after the American Revolution there was the Whiskey Rebellion and mm. And and Joe said something
5: important. I think he said, "Yeah, at least this period of this few few years of social unrest mm-hmm. give you this uh, peace of mind or Bre- breathing space." Breathing space, breathing right. space. And that might be the main purpose of so-called revolutions to generate hope in people, hope mm. of change. And then so much violence. Then after the revolution, they say, "Never more." And it's a um, may be a kind of social control tool
3: to release social pressure Mm -hmm. so yeah if there's any control in that sense if if there are someone who a group of people who are aware of dynamics and social dynamics and Mm -hmm. take the temperature of the population and stuff uh that's pretty high level for someone to be organizing it at that on that scale but if they are doing that that's possible that you know they would precipitate some kind of a revolution just to so that it can go in their direction or in a direction they want it Probably. to go in rather than it being in any way, any way genuine and therefore they can't predict or control the outcome as, as well. I,
4: I think it's more a case of trying to subvert it after the fact mm. than working out a plan to winciate it but that takes us back to this mm-hmm. the, the difficulties, the implausibility mm. we notice when we try to consider
3: the grand a scale, the, the grand scale, a grand
4: scale consumers. Even though it's in a shorter time frame, it, there's no way they can foresee all the outcomes at yeah. the beginning. Well, I think it's more that, it, as uh, the big new Brzezinski pointed out, they're aware of the. I'm afraid to, the I hate to use the word. The democratization, the the, the the overall level of education, of political awareness globally, has increased, and they're aware of a population that is is more educated but is hungry. Mm-hmm. So uh, of course they're going to be trying to gauge that and deal with it as it pops up. Yeah. Arab Spring dealt with.
3: They react. Uh, but I doubt
4: it was
5: a grand plan. No. Well, and you don't need a grand plan. If you see revolution solely as a tool to release social pressure, you let social pressure increase. You're happy to have people like uh, Russell Brand who push for for this quote-unquote change and you join the bandwagon and just you just have to twist the conclusion because all the diagnosis can be true and it's true what Russell Brand is saying is true and uh, all this anger can be uh, is legitimate and uh, the desire for change is legitimate it's deep inside a lot of us so you let it go but just at the end the conclusion yeah. or the medicine to address the symptom is twisted. You just need this 1% of lie yeah. to make this 99% of truth collapse just at the end. You twist it yeah. like they did with the, look at the French Revolution. What, what followed the French Revolution? The terror that was one of the worst, the darkest page of history that was much worse than aristocracy that preceded the revolution for centuries. Yeah. And, and the very sad truth as well about the revolution, when you read Douglas Reed's Controversy of Zion, for example, you see that Most revolutions, if not all the revolutions, were corrupted and twisted by the elites, and the few genuine ones that couldn't be corrupted, like the commune in 1870 in France, were repressed in blood, killing thousands of people. So... uh, I'm wondering if in history there is one case, one example of a genuine revolution started for people and that benefited the people. It's very sad, oh. but I don't see one.
1: But but I think that also kind of like presupposes that that revolution must necessarily be some natural human tendency. What if it was never really a natural human tendency? What if it always was this kind of like stopgap? Let's relieve some pressure type of stuff Mm -hmm. It's always kind of in a certain way manufactured but I was gonna say on what you were saying there about the you know you don't have to control everything I mean the fundamental principle behind a keto is essentially that you don't worry about like 99% of the force coming at you it's there is one point that you just have to like push a little bit and the person flips over falls over trips and this and the other thing so it's all about finding that Little point, that little pivot area, where you can push or pull or kick or punch or whatever it is you're going to do, and that's the core of the whole uh, of the whole philosophy. Is there? You don't need to worry about all that other stuff.
5: And psychologically speaking, it's very easy to spin the things when you reach a conclusion after years of months of revolution because the population is hysterized. Mm. Yep. There's been killings, there's been murders, yep. and people are don't see anymore they're blinded by their emotions the problem is that
3: as i say with the revolutions is that revolutions require leaders someone to lead the revolution or someone comes out of the revolution of the mass of people who revolt some leader or leaders emerge and the most likely ones to emerge as the leaders will be the ones who speak loudest, have the Kind of harshest,
1: most faith time.
3: yeah, harshest rhetoric, and maybe even the most extreme kind of views of how to deal with the situation. Right. And those people, those kinds of people who lead a revolution or the leaders after a revolution, they're the same kind of people we have in power today that we are that we we are saying need a revolution to overthrow. Yeah. So the problem almost is in in the idea of leadership, and that people will look to leaders to 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 control things for them or to to make decisions for them. And people have this very unfortunate tendency to look to Mm. the guy who has the strongest views. But very often, amongst humans, the person with the strongest and uh, Mm. views tends to be an authoritarian or a a demagogue, or you know, someone who ultimately doesn't care about the ordinary people.
1: So I mean, a person who has that strong of an opinion about the universe probably does so because he is an extreme narcissist. And, yeah. you know, I mean, because he, he, nobody who has the slightest bit of introspection and self-doubt and the ability to think critically with, what if I don't have all the facts, you know? And that type of person is almost invariably a total, complete narcissist, if not a psychopath. So, I mean, it's like the worst criteria in the world for picking a leader is whether or not he is sure. -hmm. about things. In fact, the more sure he is, you're like, wait a minute, why are you so sure? I mean, Mm -hmm. what if you don't know what's going on? Mm -hmm. So so if I follow you, it means for a
5: proper revolution, a beneficial revolution to occur, sure, you need good leaders, but above all, you need people who are educated enough to know about poneurology, about psychopathy, because the profile you described fits very well with the schizoid psychopath type, the spellbinders. You know, yeah. those discourse, this rhetoric, this eloquence, this yeah. mesmerizing power that is almost supernatural. And right. we, normal human beings, fall into this trap. Right. And especially in time of crisis where we are highly suggestible. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. The only revolution that will ever succeed is an education revolution. Mm-hmm. One where people just simply acquire enough knowledge to quit falling for these tactics. You know, and then of course, the, the, you know, whatever, the people who are... You know, in power now will will change their tactics. But I mean, if you look over history for the last at least two thousand years, the exact same. I mean, sometimes almost word for word. You read like speeches of Cicero or speech political speeches from the old days. And like I was, I was reading his third or fourth Calinarian speech. I don't remember. And I was like, wow, this sounds exactly like John Kerry talking about Syria. I mean, it's like they don't. We've been at this point. It's kind of our fault. It's like fool me once, shame on you. Pull me twice, shame on me. Mm. At this point, it really is on the, the population of the world to be like, we keep getting taken in by these people, and we keep suffering, and the only way we're going to get out of it is to just stop falling for these specific little
3: but traps. In, in a way, the, I think the problem is worse than, <clears throat> than just needing a, a revolution in education, because the, the kind of sense I get is that what's needed is... Our evolution in human development, or the development of human beings, in a certain sense, you know what I mean. I know what you mean. Not just like that; people would be informed because you could tell everybody the truth about everything, and probably more than fifty percent of them would just go back and follow the follow the demagogic leader again. You know what I mean? So it's almost like it's an impossible, it's an insoluble problem, really, that we have with humanity at the level of humanness or yeah maturity it's almost like a kind of like a maturity in human terms not not yeah. not not in terms of growth or uh, intellectual maturity or emotional maturity but maybe it maybe emotional maturity is, is is closest to it well the, the, the way brown put it is for me the solution has to be primarily
4: spiritual and secondarily political yeah but you can't force that that's a, that's right. a process that part I, of evolution
3: you know but what it absolutely well, he, uh, yeah but yeah, well, exactly. this, this is the thing it,
4: Brand brand's kind of been attacked by the mainstream media for inciting revolution. Right. Okay, right. in the course of his thing he he got emotional. Right. But if you actually I think where he's coming from is that he's observing that revolutionary you know, reaction to what the psychopaths in power are doing is taking place. Right. He, he's he's saying in that observation. He says to Paxman, well, Look, look, I'm not inciting this. It's already underway. Look around you. Hmm. He wants you to see that it's happening. Do we want to listen to
3: something? A few pieces of what he said, just in case some people haven't listened to what he said. Here's, we'll we'll play a few segments here. Here's the first one.
6: But is it true you don't even vote? Yeah, no, I do not vote. Well, how do you have any authority to talk about politics then? Well, I
8: don't uh, get my authority from this pre-existing paradigm, which is quite narrow and only serves a few people. I look elsewhere for alternatives that might be of service to humanity. Alternate means, alternate political systems. Uh, They being? Well, I've not invented it yet, Jeremy. I had to do a magazine last week, I've had a lot on my plate. But I say, but here's the thing it shouldn't do, shouldn't destroy the planet, shouldn't create massive economic disparity, shouldn't ignore the needs of the people. The burden of proof is on the people with the power, not people like doing a magazine. How do you imagine
6: the people get power?
8: Well, I imagine there are sort of hierarchical systems that have been preserved through so generations. Power by being voted in. Well, you that's say how that, they Jeremy. It, but you like can't it, even be asked to vote. It's quite a narrow, uh, quite a narrow prescriptive parameter that changes within the, the, uh, the... In a democracy, that's how it works. Well, I don't think it's working very well, Jeremy, given that the planet is being destroyed, given that there is economic disparity of a huge degree. What are you saying? There's no alternative? There's no, alternative. No, no, I'm not this saying system. that. I'm saying if you Brilliant. can't
6: be asked to vote, why should
8: we be asked to listen to your political point of view? You don't have to listen to my political point of view. Of you. but it's not uh, that I'm not voting out of apathy, I'm not voting out of absolute indifference and weariness and exhaustion from the lies, treachery, deceit <coughs> of the political class that has been going on for generations now, and which has now reached fever pitch where we have a disenfranchised, disillusioned, despondent underclass that are not being represented by that political system, so voting for it is tacit complicity with that system, and that's not something I'm offering up. Well, why don't you change it then? I'm trying to. Well, why don't you start by voting? (laughs) I don't think it works. People have voted already, and that's what's created the current paradigm. When did you
6: last vote? Never. You've never,
8: ever voted? No. Do you think that's really bad? So you struck an attitude, what, before the age of 18? Well, I was busy being a drug addict at that point because I come from the kind of social conditions that are exacerbated by an indifferent system that really just administrates for large corporations and ignores the population that it was voting for. You're blaming the political class for the fact that you had a drug problem? No, no, no. I'm saying I was part of a social and economic class that is underserved by the current political system and drug addiction is one of the problems it creates when you have huge underserved impoverished populations, people get drug problems and also don't feel like uh, like they want to engage with the current political system because they see that it doesn't work for them. They see that it makes no difference. They see that they're not served. I say that the apathy... Jeremy, my darling. I'm not saying that the the apathy doesn't come from us, the people. The apathy comes from the politicians. They are apathetic to our needs. They're only interested in servicing the needs of corporations.
1: Well, I mean, they can't argue with that. I mean, it's true, no?
8: Yeah, yeah, but at the
1: same time, it's like a series of kind of truisms mm-hmm. in a certain sense. I mean, where was the actual, I mean, <clears throat> to be honest, it, it sounded to me like he was basically reading off of like something that he had, just. I mean, like I've heard all those words before, even heard them in that configuration. But they, his listeners, will probably <coughs> never have heard them. Oh, I mean, before. I've listened to Russell Brand before and I've heard actually yes. everything that he said right there. Yeah, but he was is, saying months and months ago. This is,
4: this is a BBC flagship right. program. Yeah. To people who maybe sensed or had the, themselves had these thoughts at some point or other, but there it is all put together for them. Mm. The first time. You know, what
5: you notice is that uh, Brand is uh, very right, I think, concerning the diagnosis, the state of the society, what is going on. It's yeah, a power elite that yes. destroys everything, and uh, even the the way I emphasize the lack of. Empathy, the apathy
1: yeah.
5: of the elite is pretty close to the yeah. fundamental definition of psychopath: absence of apathy. Empathy. And, um, however, during this interview, several times Jeremy asked him about the solutions, yeah. and if I was kind of short about it, and <clears throat> I understand, but if I was member of the elite and I feel that the social pressure is getting a bit too high, so we have to release the pressure, so we need a quote-unquote revolution. I would promote this guy, because uh, he pushed this legitimate anger, okay. this uh, legitimate frustration amongst the population. A, okay. and, a huge dollar. And a huge dollar. But for the, for the treatment, but there's, he, does no, he doesn't prescribe any solution. so maybe there will be a second leader, a consultant that will but help also him define
1: the new policy that will not be... But you so also noticed that there were two conversations going on. There's the interviewer's conversation and there's Russell Brand's conversation, mm-hmm. and they're only very lightly connected because he's not really responding to his questions in any real way. And obviously, the guy's trying to pull him down from the ceiling because mm-hmm. Russell Brand's a little bit frenetic and all over the place. But he he wasn't he was he he had a spiel, you know. That's what I'm, I'm just playing the devil's advocate a little bit mm-hmm. here. I have to be honest. I'm a little bit of devil's advocate because I like Russell Brand and I like what he has to say. Well, there's more more as well. <sighs> but I just wanted to say that like he's going off on the spiel and it's not always completely connected with what he's saying, you know? Mm. I mean it really it's just it seemed like they were having two different conversations in yeah. that room. Well oh. I, think, I think
4: Paxman came face face with a little glimpse of reality mm-hmm. and that's yeah. where there's, there's this discordancy. Brand has said it. Now I've looked back at some other mm. things he said in, in, in chat shows, to, in other interviews and you get to get the sense that he's dropped hints all over the place. This isn't just completely out of the blue. No. This time though, he just said it
3: well, here, here's, continuously. Here's the thing. There's something Pierre just said uh, that he, what Russell Brand has said in this in that few minutes, was 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 true, accurate, and that uh, you would promote him. But my feeling is is that I wouldn't promote Russell Brand. No, I would take. What I believe to be true from what he's saying and try and promote that. I mean, we've already been doing that for a long time. But I would hope that other people would more or less ignore Russell Brand, the person, listen to what he's saying, understand it or the parts of it that are true and are relevant to them and and make them kind of feel like, yeah, this is actually, you know, makes a light bulb go off in their head and go and tell other people about it themselves. Right. Because. Uh, there should be no kind of hero worship. Nobody should be looking to Russell Brand or anybody else who says similar things as this person is going to save us. That's the problem yeah. is looking to one person because one person who gets in a position of power or, or becomes a, a popular leader is immediately co-opted into the existing power structure and it all comes to nothing.
1: And, and like right now in the media, you have like, I wanted to just kind of add to that. It's just to say that you have like this really pathological worldview from the media. I mean... What the government is doing, what the elite people are doing, all of this stuff, it's like this gigantic target where you can't miss. You know, you just kind of with a blindfolded guy and a gun, you point in a direction, you're going to hit some truth just saying it's all bad and it's crap, right? And people get amazed when someone like Russell Brand comes on and says things that are true. But actually the amazing thing is that so many other people are not, that they're really going out of the way to kind of like hide it and bury it. Whereas he is saying a lot of true things. But it's like it's really hard to miss. I mean, because these guys are ruining the environment and representing corporations and doing all of this different stuff yeah. and killing people, mass murder. And they've been doing this for, like, centuries, you know?
5: When I hear Russell Brand, I think we could have heard his words in the mouth of the early revolutionaries, in the beginning of revolutionary mm-hmm. movements. We could have heard his words in the mouth of Robespierre. We could have heard his... Uh, uh, word in the mouth of the leaders of the February 1917 revolution in, in Russia but the ones who implemented implemented the medicine the quote-unquote new regimes it was not to it was not the actors of February it was uh, Danton it was uh, Lenin or Tursky or Stalin so I hope I hope: uh, No, I, I, but I, I would say sure. to you,
4: I would say to you, don't hope don't, <laughs> don't bother with that thing. And I, think, I, I I think when Brand is saying that, he's not you know, he's not himself giving in to any false hope. He's, I think he's accepting that the world is screwed up. And, well, hell, let's at least think about things enough to see it as it is. He himself has said that, at least in his written article. I don't think,
3: I, I don't really, false hope. I don't really care what he said, I don't care really who Russell Brand is or what he thinks. Uh, I would be very happy <clears throat> if a monkey was saying it. Was saying it. Uh, anybody who would get on national TV and have a wide audience and wide exposure who can get to that point and say any truths, fundamental truths about our society today is, is good by me. And then that person should just disappear back into the shadows. And the next one comes and says exactly the same thing or says it in a different way, <clears throat> with a different voice, in different words maybe, but the same thing to appeal to maybe a different demographic or maybe to try and get more people to understand it. The, the point here is information and awareness. And it's the, it's the, the death grip that the media has on uh, that information and, and it getting out to the public and how they spin it and lie all the time. So that's why and it's, 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 we're, we're in such a bad situation right now that even something like this, basic truths that this guy Brand, who's a scatterbrain, you know, he's got ADD, he's bipolar, he's all over the place type of thing, <clears throat> that someone like him uh, would be, uh, that we would be kind of applauding or, or yeah. you know, uh, appreciative of the fact that he is simply getting these basic truths out is right. is, is, is indicative of just how bad the situation the is. You know, it's, well, it's also mean it's indicative of just how terrible the situation is when we're like... Thank God, you know, somebody's saying something, you know. Do you want to go to the next one? Yeah,
8: let's go. You don't believe in democracy. You want a revolution, don't you? The planet is being destroyed. We are creating an underclass. We are exploiting poor people all over the world. And the genuine legitimate problems of the people are not being addressed by our political class. All of
6: those things may be true. They are true. But you took... I wouldn't argue with you about many of
8: them. Well, how come off, I feel so cross with you? It can't just be because of that beard. It's gorgeous.
6: It's possibly because... And if the
8: Daily Mail don't want it, I do. I'm against them. <laughs> Grow it longer. You are Langle it gl- into your armpit hair.
6: You are a very trivial man. <laughs>
8: <laughs> what, do you think I am trivial? <laughs> yes. A minute ago, you are having a go at me because I want a, a revolution. Now no, I'm what, must, no, I'm not having a go
6: at you because you want a revolution. Many Good. people want a revolution, but I'm asking you what it will be like.
8: Well, I think what it won't be like... It's a huge disparity between rich and poor where 300 Americans have the same amount of wealth as the 85 million poorest Americans, where there is an exploited and underserved underclass that are being continually ignored, where where welfare is slashed while Cameron and Osborne go to court to defend the rights of bankers to continue receiving their bonuses. That's That's all I'm saying. What's the scheme? That's all I'm asking. What's the scheme? You talk vaguely about revolution. What is it? I think a socialist egalitarian system based on the massive redistribution of wealth, heavy taxation of corporations and massive responsibility for uh, energy companies and any company that's exploiting the environment, I think they should be, I think the very concept of profit should be hugely reduced. David Cameron says profit isn't a dirty word, I say profit is a filthy word because wherever there is profit there is also deficit. And this system currently doesn't address these ideas and so why would anyone vote for it? Why would anyone be interested in it? Who would levy these taxes? I think we do need to, like, there needs to be a centralised administrative system, but built on... There needs to be a government. Well, maybe call it something else. Call them, like, the admin bods, so they don't get... And how would they be chosen? Jeremy, don't ask me to sit here in an interview with you in a bloody hotel room and devise a global utopian system. I'm merely pointing out that the... You're not calling for revolution? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm calling for change. I'm calling for genuine alternatives. But
6: there are many people who would agree with you. Good! The current system is not engaging with all sorts of problems, yes. And they feel apathetic, mm. really apathetic. Yes. And, but if they were to
8: take you seriously and not to vote... Yeah, they shouldn't vote. I would say they should, that's one thing they should do. Don't bother voting. Because then when it reaches, there's a point, so these little valves these sort of, like, little cosy little valves of recycling and Prius and, like, you know, turn up somewhere, it stops us reaching the pit point where we think, oh, this is enough now, stop voting, stop pretending, wake up, be in reality now, time to be in reality now, why vote? We know it's not going to make any difference, we know that already.
3: Well, that's true, the last point anyway, right? I mean, everybody must be able to understand (laughs) that or see that or recognise that as as true. Um, Yeah. Well, well, not everybody. On,
1: say. I think that, that that particular segment actually won me over a little bit more to his side because even though he does go off on this very, very simplistic and naive, oh, that's just tax corporations and you know, stuff like that, he does at one point say like, why, why, why do you expect me to come up with a, a utopian governmental system in an interview in a hotel room? And that is a fair question because whenever anybody comes and complains about the things the way they are, they say, well, how you'd do it. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have a damn good answer I and I could fix every single problem, oh, then you don't have any right to say yeah. anything.
3: I get, you come across that a lot, you know, and it's well, ridiculous. It's, it's akin to saying, you know, someone's being, you know, a child's being beaten in the street by, by, by an adult. Yeah. And two people are watching and they say, you know, well, somebody should. one of them says somebody should do something about like that. And the other guy says, well, well, hang on a minute. What are you going to do afterwards? Are you going to take the guy to court? How are you going to prosecute him? Are you going to take pictures? I mean, what, how are you going to deal with the after effects of it? And they'll sit there for another few hours talking about it yeah. and not come to a conclusion and say, well, listen, yeah, it's too too difficult, you know, to really figure the whole thing out. So let's, let's not bother helping the kid out right now. It's but, stupid, you know. When people notice a problem and they say you're fully entitled to point out the problem and that the problem is very bad and should be removed, you know, the, the, the excesses yeah. should stop. The corruption should stop. And I don't have to. Have to have an answer as to how i 'm going to formulate the whole system afterwards, yeah, it reminds me to say that yeah, okay. but
4: he, he did actually get to the well at least at least at the, the socio economic level, he did actually hit the nail on the head right. because that is how things have been adjusted for the benefit of all. Real wages rise <laughs> uh, there are dem- improvements in, dem- in the rights of right. people when things are regulated in other words when psychopaths are clamped down and part of the problem that got us into today's mess was the deregulation it's a very particular uh, brand of economics, laissez-faire economics which really means let laissez-faire let the psychopaths do whatever they want. That's how we got the situation. Uh, I,
1: don't, I don't know if I agree with that statement, because look at France. Like, France, uh, well, <laughs> historically, this is the case.
4: Look
5: at communist uh, Russia. Yeah. You have a highly regulated system, but in the end... Yeah, it's actually worse. It's, it's neoliberal or communist, in both cases, you have a small elite yeah. with a different name, a different brand, that exploit the masses. So, more regulation, less regulation,
1: I don't think it addresses the, the core problem. And Psychopathic people, because look the problem. at communism, uh, democracy, every single system, imperialism, all these different systems that we've had, of, we've had, we've had a section, we've had a sample of every kind of political system you can possibly imagine throughout you know, the last 2,000 years. I mean, we've had everything, and each and every single one of them has been corrupted and rotted from within. Lots of regulation, lots of taxes, no regulation, no taxes. The laissez-faire stuff that he's talking about, that was shit. We go into this democracy in America, oh, everything's fine, capitalism, that's crap. I, you think, know, I
3: think communism, that's crap. Yeah, the core, well, the core problem is the, is the people in control of it, that they're just yeah. using it as a yeah. screen yeah. for greed and corruption behind the screen, right? Yeah. So, but there are some systems that, are, that select for uh, but uh, you would think a corrupt society. You would
1: more think than others that wouldn't have say. been communism but
3: that uh, one was yeah. pretty bad well yeah exactly yeah although in some senses you know yeah in some senses you know people did everybody did have uh... their basic needs met under communism yeah. whereas when you compare it to a capitalist system there are a lot of people who don't have a lot of people in in, in capitalist america for example who are worse off and Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of just uh, basic necessities of life, we worse off than in, than than communist people in communist Russia. But yeah,
1: that's not the problem. Or in today's Forty Cuba. million people or starved or something, so they didn't have their basic needs yeah. needs met under communism. So I mean, yeah, because they star- they starved off all those people, uh, you know. So I yeah. mean, starving capitalism, starving communism they're yeah. still starving. Yeah, yeah. I,
4: I think it's interesting that we have got into a discussion about the two isms, the two ends of the left-right, when this is exactly what. Brand is saying you know is part of the now paradigm that protects right. the elite one way or another right um, I mean he, he himself was drawn into it and that's where that interview got a little emotional right. uh, when he would not have liked to I bet and yeah. he did he did well I think we'll see later that he but that did well to come out of it he did and that's because to the bigger picture
3: what Paxman is doing the interview what he's yeah. doing is framing the argument and right. creating a straw man yep. you know is reading phony arguments essentially you know right. that then he himself can kind of knock down he's just, It's just right. something of a setup which is interesting because paxman is meant to be you know this guy who grills politicians and gets the truth but he's exposing himself here
1: yeah.
3: in this interview as just a tool of the of the system essentially you know right. so we'll just listen to the last segment here it's just not a couple of minutes and uh,
8: we'll go from there But what I'm saying is that within the existing paradigm, the change is not dramatic enough, not radical enough. So you can well understand public disturbances and public dissatisfaction when there are not genuine changes and genuine alternatives being offered. I say when there is a genuine alternative, a genuine option, then vote for that. But until then, (coughs) don't bother. Why pretend? Why be complicit in this ridiculous illusion?
6: Because by the time somebody comes along you might think it worth voting for. It may be too late.
8: I don't think so because the time is now. These movements are already occurring. It's happening everywhere. We're in a time where communication is instantaneous and there are communities all over the world. The Occupy movement made a difference in even if only in that it introduced to the popular public lexicon the idea of the 1% versus the 99%. People for the first time in a generation are aware of massive corporate and economic exploitation. These things are not nonsense and these subjects are not being addressed. No one's doing anything about tax havens, no one's doing anything about their political affiliations and financial affiliations of the Conservative Party. So until people start addressing things that are actually real, Why wouldn't I be facetious? Why would I take it seriously? Why would I encourage a constituency of young people that are absolutely indifferent to vote? Why would we? Aren't you bored? Aren't you more bored than anyone? And you've been talking to them year after year, listening to their lies, their nonsense. Then it's this one gets in, then it's that one get in. But the problem continues. Why are we going to continue to contribute to this facade?
6: I'm surprised you can be facetious when you're that angry about
8: it. Yeah, I'm angry. I am angry. Because for me it's real. Because for me, it's not just some peripheral thing that I turn up once in a while to a church bait for. For me, this is what I come from. This is what I care about. Do you see any hope? Remember that? Yeah, totally. There's going to be a revolution. It's totally going to happen. I don't, not, not only I ain't got a flicker of doubt. This is the end. This is time to wake up. I remember I see you in that programme where you look at your ancestors and you saw that while your grandmother had to brass herself or got fucked over by the aristocrats who ran her gap, you cried because you knew that it was unfair and unjust and that was what was that a century ago. That's happening to people now. I just come from a woman who's been treated like that. I've just been talking to a woman today who's being treated like that. So if, if we can engage that feeling, instead of some moment of lachrymose sentimentality trotted out on the TV for people to pour over emotional porn, if we can engage that feeling and change things, <laughs> why wouldn't we? Why is that naive? Why is that not my right because I'm an actor? <coughs> I mean, I, I've taken the right. I don't need the right from you. I don't need the right from anybody. I'm taking it.
3: Yeah. Well, you've got the right attitude and you have to yeah. say if, yeah. if if every other person in the world, of the ninety-nine percent, all had the same attitude, well, then yeah. we'd be living in a different world.
1: I think so. Yeah. He kind of won me over there towards the end. He really got. Uh, he, he hit some points that, that at the very at the very core of the problem, you know. And even when he mentions the emotional porn, every once in a while they cart out these 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 emo pieces, you know, to yeah. mm-hmm. to, to jerk on your heartstrings to make you think that they care and oh they do care and mm-hmm. no they don't care. Yeah. Uh, I think he's, uh, he sounds very genuine and yeah.
5: convincing and, and true, and uh, what he says right on the mark. Uh, what I'm wondering is, uh, as I said previously, you have good leaders in the beginning of revolutionary movements. Right. Um, Always. What about the, the following steps? How would uh, But maybe as well, I don't know, but maybe there will be one time where history doesn't repeat,
1: because... People are the high level, high
5: access to hope. information.
1: I can't hope that it's not going to be. I mean, you have corrupted. to fight against that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's what you, you fight against the polarisation process. You don't you don't think about fighting against governments or anything. You fight against the polarisation po- process of these movements and people who have messages to say, things that they're they're on the air saying. I'm, I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop with, with, with Russell Brand. Uh, either he's going to sell out, or he's going to get killed, or something like that. I'm just, I, I'm just waiting for yeah. that sort of like that cue that you know when something's gone a little bit too yeah. far, and they've decided they're tired of him. Because he does say um, a lot of things that, like Joe was saying, where it's just you know, it's just good that he's saying the words because there are people who are hearing those words, and hopefully they're going to plant a seed in their mind. You know, and that's the best you can hope for is that some seed's going to land in somebody's head. And they'll wake up to the, as he's saying, the massive inequality and the disparity of wealth, and you know. Where
5: do you think he's, uh, him uh, at time on BBC? Well,
4: he's done. He's been interviewed before on the same show, a couple of times with Paxman, so they would be on personal personable terms. Yeah. He's he was a fairly well. He's a big fairly big celebrity in the UK um he's now living in the US where he's not so much of a well known celeb but um why well he's i guess he's funny i guess he draws attention i guess he sells because he himself seeks attention
1: mm-hmm. and he's
4: yeah. <laughs> not ashamed of it and therefore that's that's good that pulls in an audience you know
3: controversy and attention yeah. there may have been an angle where they were and uh, the, along the idea of the pressure valves, you know, giving people a voice, letting off a little bit of, little bit of social pressure.
1: Right.
3: They may have, someone may have selected him because he's a comedian, yeah. thinking that he would be able to broach these topics, but make them funny. Because very often comedians, like look at John Stewart and stuff, yeah. you know, I don't know how on the Daily Show in the US, I don't know how effective he is, you know, he says a lot of true things, but right. he plays it up so much and he pitches it in such a comedic way that it loses its edge, people can assume that it's not real almost because they're laughing at it, you know? So maybe Brand was seen as as fairly safe in that way because they expected him to be just, everybody to see him just as white, just as a comedian, and so therefore everything he's saying is more or less a joke, it's not
4: real. Well, I think it tells a lot. I mean, in times of old, the court jester, was the one the only one who is allowed to legitimately there. almost expected to tell the truth to rip yeah. that was his role it was understood well, to really is yeah. the same yeah. thing
5: yeah and what Time you say about change. about audience i agree that profit um rings a bell because in his bio you can read that uh, there was controversy about his nomination as the speaker for the MTV Musical Awards 2009 yeah. finally they nominated him as the official speaker, and they had audience, the highest audience they ever had since 2004. So, what he says might not really fit the doctrine, but at the same time, it's so appealing that he boosts the audience and helps generating more profits. Yeah, we're kind of in a trap here of our own
4: making, if, when we're going along this arguments. Namely that, okay, it's implausible that things are planned to such an extent. And yet, whenever we do hear a bit of truth, it's like, okay, what's the catch? They, yeah. they clearly chose them and selected them to put them on to make us think something. What is it? And we're, we're, we're yeah. sinking back into more fear. Right. The very thing that Brand is saying, it's true.
1: get rid of. Yeah. Now's the time, whatever way you do it. Right. But, well, you know, once bitten, twice shy. You know, I mean, and, and there's been so many headpieces and talking heads put up by the mainstream media over time
4: that um well who you know, who, just who playing who, who of what is comparable with this charlie sheen
1: the, i would not charlie <laughs> sheen at, at some point i think charlie sheen started <laughs> to be that way and then he totally went come on bro i've got tiger's blood and stuff you know i'm by winning you know i mean that guy was he really did kind of tank there, was, but, one, like, there um, there's was like this, was it Ron Paul at some point? And, um, yeah. there's been a couple of like Kucinich. I can't remember the guy's name now. He's one of the Dennis Kusinich, yeah. or something like that. And they put these guys up and then you're just like, I don't know. Should I, what should I do? You know? Well, mm. there was this guy I mentioned in
5: previous show. Well, there's a French comedian called who is probably not very famous beyond the, the French borders, but yeah. he had the, the same speech. And he was very funny. He was extremely popular he He was candidate for the presidential election. He had a high percentage he, he was he got pressure to 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 cancel his candidacy because he became a threat and when he started what is called the Resto du coeur you know this there was a lot of, there's a lot of poor people in France, a lot of people who cannot eat so he, since the authorities were doing nothing, what he did he set up a chain of restaurants, three restaurants where everybody was bringing food and the poor were eating there and people who were not rich enough to bring food they were serving the, the meals and within weeks millions of meals were being served and he demonstrated actually something very powerful. Mm-hmm. He demonstrated that us, the people, we the people we don't need the elites. Mm-hmm. We can solve all the problems by ourselves yes. but the elites
1: that the elites who need us and a few months later he was assassinated well, I mean, also back on what Neil was saying. I mean, look at Obama. You know, I remember I was in the U.S. when Obama was was was, was doing his, his his campaign and doing his whole thing, and I remember walking into uh, the living room and my uh, my roommate at the time. You know, she was sitting there and she was like all teary eyed, and he he won, and things are finally going to change. And and even I, for sitting there for a moment, I was saying, you know. This Obama guy, he says he says a lot of the right things, you know. He's talking about change and moving forward and
3: all this different stuff. And for
1: a second, for a split second, I had hope, you know. And then it, it disappeared very quickly because because when I went outside, I saw all these people I had these vendors selling like Obama T-shirts, and I knew I was like, oh wait a minute, hold on a second, something something's wrong here. But he's another example. I mean, John Kerry when John Kerry was against you know Bush, everyone was like. It was like, well, somebody's against him and he's, you know, starting to say some stuff and he's, and then he does this complete 180 and you're just like, but what about all that stuff you said when you were fighting Bush? Now you're like evil again. I mean, what is this? So, I mean, there's, yeah, I mean, that's not a perfect example, but there's all these people who come out and they say stuff that people want to hear and then they
4: turn around and, you know, I think, I think part of the problem is here. We're, we're looking at from a different vantage point to most of the audience that heard this. The criticism being leveled at him by mass media is that, oh, that's negative. It's a very negative and pessimistic view of the world. We're looking at him saying it's far too optimistic. Yeah,
1: <laughs> you know, exactly. yeah. We're like, he's, just, he's a little bit too optimistic about all this stuff.
4: Um, yeah. And on the second point, I mean, there are two examples, Obama and Kerry, yeah. very much within the system. Here's very a guy much. saying, look, forget about it, mate. Just walk right. away. Yeah, It's a dead horse. Yeah. It's all an illusion anyway, that, that whole political right. scam. Just walk
1: away. Yeah, the walk-away dollar. It's very big. <laughs> big dollar. <laughs> right, Jason? Excellent dollar. <laughs> that, for those people who don't know, is a reference to one of Bill Hicks' uh, speeches, one of Bill Hicks' comedy routines. Yeah. So
5: maybe that's it. He made a nice speech. He said a lot yeah. of truth, yeah, it was very convincing, it seemed very, very genuine, and now let's not uh, hold our breath and uh,
1: then we'll tell that mm-hmm. I would like to see like what Joe was saying, which is like him to fade away and the next guy to come out you know to keep changing it up and have more people coming out and saying the same thing
0: mm-hmm.
1: instead of us trying to you know pin everything on this horse, you know just another one and another one you know a stream of people saying yeah this stuff. Then,
4: the, the kind of questions Paxman leveled at them are the number one criticism that will come out of, let's say, mainstream left, where, okay, you're, like, what, the criticism that was leveled at the Occupy movement, but who's your leader and what is your manifesto and what precisely are your aims and, and do you have a timetable for how you're going to get there? This, this in itself is part of the old way of thinking.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: Whatever is taking place is organic and as such... It will do its own thing. If it's going to lead to a better, it might. We don't know. But the point is it's an organic, it's, it's something else. It's breaking totally. away from something that we're used to. I think it's a fear of the unknown that, yeah. that restrains. It's basically, I think it's inherently creative. Right. People getting together, discussing, if nothing else, protesting. It, it's symbolic and they understood that and right. they came up against the, the long arm of the law when Obama went in 48 cities of the US in one night last year in March had the police in every single city wipe out all the ten cities right media next they didn't mention it
5: well, Yeah, you yeah, know, it, it. it's but, a key word. I think creative and when you listen to brand there is this drive there is this vision, right. you know artists or people who create Usually they don't know all the details on tactical or strategic or technical level, but they have this drive, that they have this vision. They they know where they want to go. They don't know
1: how they're going to go there,
5: and they know what they don't want.
1: And um, Brand fits the this picture, and they're willing to go somewhere that they didn't plan. Like we you know when he start, when he starts saying stuff like you know I don't have the answer to this perfect utopia. You know that's not the point. You get you get the project started. You know, you get this project started and you go forward and who knows where you're going to end up, but you're hoping that where you end up is somewhere better than where you started.
4: And he said it himself. You have fun doing it. You know, he wouldn't be doing it if it wasn't fun. He wouldn't be saying these things or he wouldn't. uh, And I think think we take the same approach, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, It just wasn't an enjoyable, exciting. If it didn't have a lot of positive virtues going for it, it would be
1: I mean, it would be unfun. But like what you were saying about, you know, how they, they kind of like attack you by saying, oh, you don't have any structure. You don't. I mean, if somebody comes out and says, here's my three point plan type of thing, I would be worried about that point. It's, it's the, the kind of a little bit of a chaotic creative. Oh, let's, you know, let's just do something. Um, I think it's actually for me, uh, you know, as kind of a creative type, that's a lot more safe, actually, because I know that there's a there's a greater probability that it's going to end up where somewhere new then back to the same area that we've been to you know uh, again and again and again so if somebody comes up with tables and percentages and this is how we're going to redistribute this and redistribute that Mm -hmm. I think if that doesn't take place organically then it's actually just going to be totally It's easier to corrupt because psychopaths are really not creative people Mm -hmm. you know they need they need a smart person to come along and give them a plan so that they can you know mess it up then but when it comes to a thing where where it's got to be creative and spontaneous it's, it's not controllable and it's difficult and there's no leaders. They, 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 it's kind of like an anathema for them, you know? Yeah.
3: All right. Are we done with Russell Brand?
4: Well, just one last thing that kind of <laughs> might open, open it up a bit. Um, I wish there was a way to show our listeners because it's a visual thing. It's, it's, a, it's a small, short video and I, we have it up on SOT. Um, the title of it is Time Lapse map of worldwide protests since 1979 and what this guy did was he took um, g-delt I'm not sure what those initials stand for but he took data on protests that have taken place of all different shapes and sizes for different causes different movements all over the world and he he plots them uh, in this short video and you, you see in front of you a map of the world and begins I don't know why 1979 but anyway uh, you press play and it starts to show so you get one or two pinging up maybe one in north america now one in europe oh there's one in southeast asia ping 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 now we're moving into the 70s sorry into the 80s and you see the activity going up ping 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 you get more and more protests up into the 90s and the globe is starting to flash like all over the place into the 2000s it's it's so bright you know Uh, It's basically a constant flash. The planet is like just one great big flashing neon sign and then, of course, right up to today. So there is this underlying objective revolution or series of overlapping revolutions. They're localized. They come and go. But the overall trend is uh, going up and up and up. That is a reaction to the increased control from above.
5: Inequality, inequalities,
4: yeah. Um, I think uh, I think Laura, Laura has written really well when she summed up the kind of cycle uh, that, if we look back in history, what typically happens is things cycle through. So you begin with psychopaths rising to power uh, during the good times they start inflicting misery and suffering then you start to see the masses becoming unhappy and miserable but rather than... They're not, because, because they lack this knowledge and awareness of how it's being done to them they suppress this within themselves out of fear then the planet starts to express the unhappiness of the masses through climate disorder uh, which may be related to other cosmic processes then the climate issues get worse and worse and worse, which makes people even more uh, unhappy. afraid, unhappy, and suffer even more. The psychopaths in power clamp down even harder. To negative feedback, loop. it's a negative feedback loop which cannot go on forever, and it doesn't. History shows us it doesn't. A breaking point is reached, which we are pretty much at,
3: where things break.
4: Where, well, this this is this is the. To be seen but i think we're at it, it the breaking point is reached humanity and plants react to pathology and death and destruction on a massive scale is the result leveling leveling the playing field right. yeah, there's a revolution for you yeah the that's the is, revolution it, that's the
1: global cosmic revolution is it like yeah. some revolutions that just are kind of like political tensions and stuff like that yeah they do recreate the problem very quickly like we're talking about like the french revolution but there are also examples of like some stuff where we're talking about like well, how, how What percentage of the population was killed by the plague? Like in Constantinople, there was m- millions and millions of people were dead. Over where it was a yeah. high percentage of the population. Well, it depends on but, the
5: location. About fifty percent. But what is striking is that humanity, as it works now and it worked during the past centuries, doesn't seem to be able to maintain a policy, um, a fair, pol- fair policies. That prevent those uh, cosmic reactions more than for more than two centuries. Yeah. If you check the history of Europe, that was obliterated Western Europe until uh, roughly 900. Mm. There was almost zero activity. Civilization started to really develop in 900, and uh, two three centuries later, yeah. two centuries later, you start to have the Inquisition, yeah. the Crusades. And less than three centuries after the the of the civilization of the Black Plague, yeah. that we kill, uh, depending on the estimates, from hundreds of millions, and that we last. Interestingly, the Inquisition yeah. and the Black Plague will last for about uh, five centuries, half a millennium, from the 13th century to the 19th century or 17th century for the for the plague, yeah. 18th century. Such is the
4: cycle of history. Will this time be any different? Probably not. Um, however, I've noticed that Brand is, well, in a lot of his other writings and interviews and so on, he's pretty much flirting with new age, you know, yeah. and this is where he seems to so grasped through his own meditation and his own personal discoveries, yada, yada, that yes, there may be something unique about this time in that uh, because of of the way it's set up, because it's global this time Mm, because the population is at its greatest and the suffering is at its greatest it it sort of forces tremendous opportunities for individuals to have such a thing as he's talking about a revolution in consciousness so it's kind of like a utopian revolution in consciousness
1: for all No, I'm afraid not.
4: Well, it's like that that
1: saying that uh, the 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 mom the the Laura's always got on her uh, her 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 forum forum signature, which from Agamemnon, he who learns must suffer, so that even in our sleep, uh, pain that cannot forget falls drop by drop upon the heart, so that you know, uh, despite ourselves or something like that, comes wisdom by the awful grace of God and when you think about it, you know, people learn from suffering, they really do. That's
3: evolution.
1: Yeah, that's evolution. And right now is a special time, like you were saying, because uh, it is a global system, but at the same time, it's a lot of global suffering. I mean, there's a lot of suffering going on in the world right now. And I think if there was ever a time when people could learn from that suffering, it
3: might be now. It's kind of funny because um, New Agers talk about an evolutionary leap you know, a new age, people will... Ascension. Ascension. And and, and that's a twist on a truth that, that kind of Jason is just touching on there because if you think about it, think about your own life or the life of anybody you know and what have been the most... Uh, what what experiences in your life or in other people's lives have taught you the most? By and large, if you think about it, it'll have been experiences where you suffered in some way. So as Jason says human beings, generally speaking, learn through suffering. So as suffering increases on the planet and reaches a kind of a, a, <coughs> a high point, well, yeah, that is an opportunity for uh, an evolutionary leap because human evolution is more or less defined by suffering and the experiences, <coughs> suffering to one degree or another, and, and what people learn from that. So if there's a lot of suffering going on, on the planet amongst a lot of the people on the planet, well then, yeah, there's possibly some kind of a, a step or a phase transition in human evolution, but it's not as a result of butterflies and bunnies and no. navel gazing and happy thoughts, <laughs> yeah. quite the opposite. When they
1: talk about like evolution, they talk about like the environmental stress causes evolution, right? That's supposed to be the general idea. And since the 60,000 years, you know, with the post-Neanderthals, the Cro-Magnon man, we kind of see this explosion and, and, and what we kind of think of as like the mind and consciousness. And so if the mind could evolve too, then the kind of stresses that work on it, emotional stresses and psychological stresses and this you know, sort of constant pathological attacks, maybe it will develop some sort of way to... Immunize itself against mm-hmm. the pathological
3: disease. Maybe, oh, hey, and, and that,
1: that would be the hope.
3: That would be a big step forward in human. That human would be huge progress. That's that spiritual progress.
1: I mean, just not falling for the BS anymore.
5: Mm-hmm. That would be an evolutionary leap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there might be both. Might be possible increased environmental, emotional, physical stress that can either stimulate the growth or the opposite some people into a transmarginal inhibition, i.e. accepting anything and no more reaction, total apathy. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah,
3: well... Both are
5: possible depending on who you are.
3: Okay, we have a call here. Let's see where this one goes. Hi, caller, what's your name? Where are you calling from?
0: My name's Lori, and I'm calling from Idaho.
3: Hi, Laurie. welcome to the show. How you doing? Thanks. Hi, Lori.
0: Hello. You guys were talking about... Um, evolution and how, how it takes suffering to basically cause evolution to happen or to make, make th- people th- make things different. Mm-hmm. But then earlier you were talking about how we need to look at things differently, mm-hmm. like via the Russell brand and, and mm-hmm. how he's trying to, we, we want to look at things differently, we want to do things differently. But if we've always mm-hmm. needed suffering to make things better, then, I mean, what could we do? What would What would it look like? If we could evolve without the suffering if we don't have to repeat the cycle again
3: well when we when we talk about suffering it's not just physical suffering because you have to remember that uh it can be actually physically painful for some people to change their beliefs about the world and about themselves that is a major first hurdle you know so there can be a lot of emotional suffering and emotional stress as a result of simply getting over your illusions and your your sacred cows, you know? So, I mean, I yeah, think well, that's kind of included. Yeah, losing
0: in your religion idea. is very painful. <laughs> yeah. It is, yeah.
3: But, um, yeah, I mean, ideally it would not involve physical suffering or horrible hope, physical, you know? physical suffering for a lot of people. I mean, that's what we try to do in the sense that we try to say, listen, work on the on the knowledge aspect, get over your issues, get over your mm-hmm. programs, because that will actually help you to avoid physical suffering in so many different ways you know if you're if you're just running around and you're in an illusion you can imagine how that causes suffering in in, in people's personal lives but in in yeah. in the modern day in the current state of the world if you have you know if you look to authorities for for security and to take care of you and stuff and that's not what they're intending then it's uh, there's some maybe physical suffering coming yeah. your way as well you know
1: I don't know if yeah. suffering
3: ever disappears though
4: it was, it was I think first and foremost, <clears throat> it's the suffering of acknowledging that you're being lied to and seeing the reality as it is. That is the kind of conscious suffering. In other words, part of that is owning up to the suffering you cause others and that you have contributed to in the world. Because yep. at the moment, the mass of people still avoid, you know, they would prefer the lie over the truth. Right. They would prefer the drug over actually working through their issues. Right. They would prefer the crappy food, well, partially now because they've enforced it because it's cheaper. Yeah. But It's also comfortable because misery. For short-term comfort, exactly. So they'll yeah. just put it off. It's a bit like the U.S. deficit. We'll just keep putting it off. We know it's there, but hey, we'll put it <laughs> off a little bit more, a little bit more. Eventually, you know, the cars are called in. It's not going to go on forever. Right. So this yeah. is what I mean by an opportunity for people to just, acknowledge um, and they're, they're acknowledging and it will make you suffer but Jesus it'll it will hard. make you
5: yeah it'll be hard but far better than <laughs> far better
6: yeah
5: again there are several kinds of suffering <clears throat> there's probably a kind of useful suffering that we call conscious suffering which yeah. is linked to see the world as it is as painful as it can be like in Matrix you know when Neo reacts ne- negatively to finally seeing uh, and uh, more if you tell him I only promised you the truth. And on the other hand you have some uh, useless suffering as Gurdjieff said that uh, human beings what they are the most attached to is their suffering. You know this kind of mechanical yeah. suffering, this suffering yeah. due to ignorance, to blindness, to to habits. So in one sense suffering can be helpful help progress and development. And on the other end, it can be an agent as well of uh, entropy and stagnation.
1: I'll give you an example. I shoot a bow, right? And okay. when you first get a bow, it's kind of heavy. It's got a heavy weight. And uh, I, I didn't have a glove, but I still wanted to do it. And it started, you know, really creating calluses on my fingers and it hurt. But because, yeah. you know, I, I learned to have a faster release because I didn't want the pain anymore. So, so getting hurt. <laughs> taught me to release the bowstring much faster than I used to, because if you don't, then it it, it basically hurts under the skin, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's positive suffering, you know? That's, you know, everything that you do leads to some suffering. You want to go out and play soccer really well. Well, the guys who get really good at playing soccer, they get minor injuries here and there until they learn how to run right and kick right and... You know, this, that, and the other thing. So everything kind of comes with suffering. There's, there's yeah, a I refinish cabinets
0: okay. for a living, and, and I have to climb up on ladders and get up and down. And by the end of the day, my body's pretty sore. But then I step back and look at what I've done, and it's beautiful.
1: Mm-hmm. And that's so, the price you pay. That's
0: for, the price that I pay.
1: whatever yeah, what that was kind
0: of, of was, like, what would it look like in a world where, like, if we all were raised like um, the Beelzebub's grandson in, in the Gurdjieff mm-hmm. story? where everybody Mm is, you know, everybody is raised in a way to know who they are
2: Mm -hmm.
0: and to to try to figure out what they're capable of and to have Mm -hmm. that kind of a consciousness. I'm thinking outside here. I'm not thinking of of what we're stuck in. What would it look like if if we were all raised to respect ourselves?
3: Yeah. I've been thinking about that. John Lennon was something about it. (laughs) Yeah,
5: you're right. And uh I think, uh I don't know, eh? it's only speculation, because we're quite far away from this world, obviously, but I think we would come pretty close to a description of paradise of Eden. Eden could be on Earth. I mean, if you get rid of all this pathology, of all those lies, um, you get a pretty ideal
3: world. I mean, I don't ask for more than such a world. I think that's what we're we're, what we're aiming for, you know. I mean, but I don't think I'm not sure it's possible.
1: Well, the whole idea of like conscious suffering was that you get like a definite kind of result
3: from it, you know.
1: Like like she's talking about like making a cabinet, you know. You you have like bang your thumbs or something in your knees, and you're climbing up and down, and you're doing all this different stuff. But at the end, you have like this Mm -hmm. something that is more than just the suffering that went into it, you know, just the energy that you put into it. I mean a cabinet is much more. And it
0: brings joy in the end too. Mm
1: -hmm. For a long time actually because such a thing lasts, so that thing could last for generations and people could be getting some form of uh, utility and enjoyment from it. So, So that kind of suffering leads, so imagine like an Edenic society would not be one that is completely devoid of suffering and everything easy, but it's oh, when no. all suffering led to positive yeah. results instead of like what we have now, which is like mm-hmm. this unconscious suffering mm-hmm. which leads to chaotic and negative results for mm-hmm. our population
0: exactly that's exactly what I was thinking, and I didn't even know it until you just said it <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> <There you go. laughs> yes okay yeah i can't I, I can't see no suffering at all but but for a reason for it, a good reason yeah. for it exactly
3: you're yeah. imagine, re- imagine yeah. you you been given thought that, that the way to make a cabinet uh, was to use you know uh, i don't know totally
0: My inappropriate
3: uh, <laughs> yeah your teeth are totally inappropriate tools and you just went for it every day and you didn't get it and <laughs> eventually you died never having made a cabinet but spent your whole life life trying to make one uh that's uh, kind of suffering suffering for no purpose that's what we have today it's kind of what the world Where, is uh,
0: like now in a lot of places
3: <laughs> exactly when what's needed is to teach people as you said teach people how to live their lives uh, in a truly humane fashion and, and to know themselves and to, to know what human life and human relationships are all about uh, yeah, and obviously to, use to get rid tools. of pathology. yeah exactly yeah, to know? use the tools that were given to them you know and and know the price
1: that everything comes with a price nothing is free but some things are worth the price and some things aren't and 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 what the, the mainstream media and what the, the elites and all this stuff they kind of like they try to promise you things you can't deliver and and all the suffering in the world is supposed to be about, you know, security and safety and all this different stuff, which they're never going to get, whereas, well, you know, they should be consciously suffering to get the kind of life that they really want.
5: Mm-hmm. You know? and, and you have to yeah. see the, the, glo- the global picture, the trade-off. When you build a cabinet, you're to keep on with your analogy, you know there is an investment, let's say, in suffering. There's a price. There's a price to pay. And you also yeah. that there is a satisfaction after. And uh, Yeah. And you know that uh, there will be a balance and uh, the more you invest the more satisfaction really you will have so if you see uh, look at the global picture at the end of the day uh, the net results might be positive much more satisfaction than uh, suffering and now if you apply this analogy to truth and lies and uh, to two different kind of suffering in both cases you will have to suffer because lies as joe uh, described previously will lead to suffering. Like, uh, yeah. Just a, an example, if you're into lies, your body, a in us striving for truth. And if you don't acknowledge it <clears throat> in your mind, then your body will start to, to give you signs to disease and, uh, and other manifestations. So you will suffer because of lies. And truth, often it's not very comfortable, it's not very pleasant, no. so we suffer at least, uh, uh, as well. But in the second case, you will have the a satisfaction it will reach a yeah. better, yeah. positive emotions, a better state, a sense of freedom. You're getting free of uh, of lies of you. Know, mm-hmm. There's a progress.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's kind of like being it's like a weird analogy, an abusive relationship. Mm-hmm. A lot of people that are in an abusive relationships stay there because they yeah. say that that it's love, you know, but they're lying to themselves and they don't even realize they cause themselves pain every day more pain mm-hmm. than they need to if they could just see the truth about what's going on in their lives and and have the courage and take the pain mm-hmm. of walking away because it is painful
1: yeah well, but yeah. To get the I, you know, foster, I hate to drag it off but I do have something to say on that because that, she makes a really good point yeah. about that or Robert Cialdini who wrote a book called the uh, persuasion the science of influence talks about why women stay in abusive relationships and uh, one thing that he does say is that it's their fear of the, the pain and suffering of, of having been wrong. He gives this description of a woman. She's with an abusive man. She yeah. finally kicks him to the curb. And then he yeah. comes back and he says, I'm going to change. I'm going to change. Everything's going to be hunky-dory. So she takes him back. And uh, it lasts for maybe a week, and then he starts being abusive again. <clears throat> but now he says at this point she's totally trapped because she's too afraid of the pain of admitting her mistake in front of other people and looking inconsistent and looking flaky, right? So she, yeah. she's afraid of the suffering of the judgment of others. So she's willing to accept the suffering of an abusive partner because of the social pressure. So he says, that's kind of how, you know, women sometimes will stay in an abusive relationship because uh, the, of their, their real abject fear of the, you know, the opinions of others who they may have had like a really pathological childhood. I actually had a really good
0: friend that just passed away last year that was in a very abusive relationship. And she stayed with him until she passed away. And I asked her one time a couple years before she died, you know, why do you stay? What's, What's the point? And she told me because she didn't want her parents to be right about him because they didn't want her to marry him and that was i mean it was like a 35 year marriage and and that was the reason it just made me sick
1: that (laughs) if you look at the situation in the world right now you could almost say that a lot of the problem is that not so much that people don't see that stuff is bad it's that they're just so terrified of admitting their culpability in the entire system of saying you know i was participating in that all those children serving in africa all that there is, there is, there is a measure of guilt for me too, yeah. and they're so terrified yeah, that is of so painful of being,
0: be, being an American citizen and and trying to own part of that. It is, it's hard, it's very yeah. painful. So, it's, so it's, I, so it's I mean, gr- I'm disgusted with myself a lot of times for just playing the game, but hmm. I don't know.
3: <laughs> well, you do. You, what you know where do you go? You know? Yeah, step by step. It's a great analogy because it's kind of like you can pretty much say, more or less, as Jason was saying that, you know, the entire world. Uh, in the same way that uh, a person can be in an abusive relationship with a psychopath for a long time and suffer as a result, uh, the entire world is engaged in an abusive relationship with psychopaths in power,
0: yeah,
3: yeah. and we're suffering and we're collectively, them, you know, as a result. Anyway, exactly. well, Laurie, thanks for your your call in and your question. They were great, great questions, great comments.
0: No, I just I really like the show and I really enjoy this. This is the second time I've called in and I probably will again because it's stimulating to talk so. with you guys.
4: <laughs> Excellent, well, great. We like talking with you too. So uh, call again, bang. call again. Don't be
1: shy. Yeah, yeah. I
0: will. Thanks. <laughs> Bye. Yeah. Right. Bye.
1: Bye. Doris. Bye. Bye. Well, or afternoon
3: actually, it's afternoon in America now. I don't. Uh, know yeah. I'm
2: Control,
3: There's okay. not. There may be another call here, but maybe this number of this person who calls in live to try and listen. We should check. write his number down. <laughs> we'll <laughs> say hello to it's him anyway. Of one. Yeah. Oh. Hi. Do we have a caller?
2: Yes. Hi, Rich here. Hey, Rich. Rich.
3: Hey, Rich. Hi, Rich. Hi. Hello.
2: Yeah. I'm from England, and yeah, calling from France at the moment.
3: Okay. Fire away. Uh, Rich, well, R- maybe.
0: I be- just-
2: yeah, taking you back a bit. I um, I've just found the Russell Brand video and the interview with Paxman. Just really fascinating, and I I couldn't help laughing when I heard it. But I suppose one of my questions is, uh, where do you see it going? Can it go anywhere? Will he get pushed somewhere?
3: Where well, my when, my when I
2: saw it was that.
3: But where, was where do we see what it? going?
2: Um, I think he was well, asking. With Russell Brand and the fact that he's some claiming him as a new messiah, but uh, you know, expressing a popular movement against yeah. the authority, what will they do with him? Will they use well, him?
3: I don't know. This is what we were saying earlier on that people need to focus on what he said and ignore him. Yeah. Right. It's just the the things that he said were true. People need to take those and say that's true. I'm going to go and tell my friends that, and we're going to discuss it. and We're all yeah. going to agree and get together, and everybody, just the little people, will all take that on board. You know, if you agree with it and and it is true, a lot of what he said, and and go with it, and forget about Russell Brand. Forget don't put him in, don't put him into a position of power. Don't give him any right. any kind of support that where he would be the leader of anything. We want somebody else to come along and be galvanized by what he said, by right. the words, by the information, and get get a stage and say the same thing. And it needs to be repeated over and over and over again by as many people as possible. Yeah. But nobody gets the limelight. Nobody becomes a leader. Forget okay. the man. Remember
1: the message. It's like the same problem with like Jesus. If you read Jesus' words, a lot of the time some of them sound actually kind of good. Right. But people got upset yeah. with the man and not the message. And it's the same thing here. Forget the man. Remember the message. If it's a good message, analyze it. If it's good, it's good. If it's not, well
5: okay but you know, the future is open uh, we don't yet know. there are many possible scenarios yeah might get corrupted There's, I mean, he might turn th- crazy he might get assassinated
1: it, who it, knows infinite potential in every situation but is his mouth made of gold or something is there something special about the sounds that come from his mouth as opposed to he might mean, think there is if somebody else said yeah. those faint truths would they be any more true or any less true exactly it doesn't
3: matter yeah. he says it. you know it doesn't there, matter there yeah. isn't going to be they yeah, go ahead rich
2: I was just going to say, no, yeah, you're quite right. Uh, The thing with the whole Russell Brand is that he is such an ego and such an image, and the way that the press are portraying him is, this is, yeah, like a messiah. It kind of reminds me of um, the Love Police guy. He was, um, you know, a lot of what he was saying, I forget his name, but a lot of what he was saying was very true, and then it reached a point when he got um, Mm co-opted, put into a TV show where he was talking against 9 11 and yeah. then he went completely silent. So yeah. I was just Those wondering, people, my, I was speculating that perhaps that the same thing might happen.
3: Well, that, that may happen, and we, we would like to see that not happen. And that's why we've been saying what we've been saying. That should not happen. Ignore Russell Brand, except uh, ignore him as the person and focus on what he said and expand on it. Yeah. Just, what he said isn't his. No. It's the truth. Yeah.
1: Um,
6: yeah. yeah we attach uh,
1: too much. Uh,
4: uh, yeah, I would just... Savor it for what it is. It's a disturbance in the force. And that's all. We live in a very complex world. Um, It's non-linear. There's no way in hell we can say what's going to come from this. We can have some good ideas. We can speculate about it. He's currently on a world tour. I mean, a speaking tour. It's a stand-up show. Well, I found it interesting that he set it up. It's called The Messiah Complex. So he set that up as a kind of comedic vehicle, as a way to drop, Hints, but basically say some of the things you've been saying to Axman. So it's funny, it's, it's a disturbance in the force, but that's uh, that's the extent of it. Let's just enjoy it. I mean, for, see what comes, but I, I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't put too much. I don't
3: think it's hmm. you know going to go anywhere Necessarily, no. I mean, it's just we're just happy that you know he said it and he's got the the stage on, and has a. A lot of people have heard it, and we just wanted to analyze it and look at it and make sure the make sure the the signal was was just accurate.
1: The signal, now. Uh
3: but, but and also to address the point that do not defy him or anybody else. The truth is the truth, and the truth is what will set people free. And everybody owns the truth if they just stand up and take it. Yep, and claim yeah. it.
2: So I think yeah, from from my own point of view, for example. No, that's good advice. When I'm sort of sharing with Facebook friends, for example, yeah, this uh, video has some good points in it. But then the onus is on me really to actually, you know, be far more proactive in writing about it and pointing out the, the fallacies and the, the, what the truth, and just be yeah. more active. I get I get caught up in with Facebook, for example, or just yeah. um, you know passing it on without comment or LOL. Yeah
3: but not yeah, so actually taking
2: the effort to properly, you know, explain what I do understand about it.
3: Yeah, and, and if, if there's any Russell Brand kind of groupies or devotees out there, the point to them is, maybe to put it in another way, is be Russell Brand.
1: Yeah,
3: yeah. Don't yeah. follow him, be him. Yeah. Find a way to say what he said to as many people as possible, and and your own truths in the sense other... Uh, connection that you make based on, on it's, that
1: it's really easy to get caught up in that <clears throat> oh you're just saying what Russell Brand said or oh you're trying to be like X and it's kind of really important for you to remember that every word of truth ever spoken in the entire history of uh, of all humankind is an endowment of humanity it doesn't belong to any one person if it's a true thing then it is the possession of everybody and the right for them to share it and say it and And it's not that Russell Brand said it that made it true, it's that it was true that made it true. You know, that's just it. Yeah,
5: and what what he says uh, along the line of what we've been saying, and we've been saying more for years now. So it's not like a a great invention or a discovery just made. No.
3: All right, Rich. Anything Anything else?
2: else? Well, I was just going to mention Nigel Farage along similar lines.
3: Yeah. Um,
2: U.K. Nigel Farage is, uh, is the leader of the UKIP party, which he had some very popular sort of uh, speeches against uh, the financial system, and lots mm. of speeches in European Parliament. Um, and his party went from nowhere recently, in the last six months, to um, yeah, quite wide prominence. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, that struck me as quite strange that it was being supported financially. It so was mm. guessing by of time yeah, I
1: mean, it's like like I think joe and and Neil both mentioned it in, in one or two occasions, you know, this kind of like release valve, and it it really does kind of sound a little bit orchestrated to me, like they're they're kind of selecting who's going to be shown up in the media a little bit by whether or not they they kind of are innocuous enough,
3: yeah, they try right. to control it, you know, they try mean, to control it, I, I mean they can't stop ideally, they would have nobody saying right. anything like that anywhere, yeah. but. They can't stop everybody, so when one pops up, it's usually yeah. co-opted in some way. Or there's efforts co-opted, you know? I, yeah, and I think the,
4: there's a limit here to the comparison. Russell Brand is saying, don't
3: vote, mm. just forget it. Yeah. And, and I now Joe so is trying to... Get people to vote for him.
4: You know, prop the system back up, whether yeah. he realizes it or not. So it's... Yeah, it's, there's
2: degrees there.
3: There are degrees. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right, Rich. Good to talk yeah, to you. Great yeah. show. Thanks for your call. Your thank you. Thank you. So speaking, yeah. Speaking of what, um, we have about fifteen minutes left. Um, speaking of protest, yes. Are you going to protest? No. Well, I am. Going to protest. I am. I am. I am. But by speaking and you're, writing, you're mad as hell, and you're not taking it anymore.
1: Yeah.
3: I, get, I think
4: I'm protesting a little. Go way. ahead let loose. Well, there was a protest in D.C. yesterday, Washington, D.C. Um, stop watching us was the theme yeah. against the NSA. It got a few thousand people there. A few thousand, oh my God, in a country of 300 million, but um, I think it, it came up or was timed with a whole string of recent revelations uh, from NSA gate. Now, okay, there's probably not much point. Everyone already knows everyone is spying on everyone else. But there was an interesting revelation. Was Israel behind the hacking of millions of French phone calls and not the US? Mm. Extraordinary twist in spying saga revealed. <laughs> that like, came to Le Monde, but actually the source of it was also Glenn Greenwald who co-wrote it with a French journalist. Um, specifically what happened was the initial revelation from via Ed Snowden was that, oh, the NSA is, um, in one month alone in 2012 uh, tapped and or stored the data from 70 million phone calls made within and outside of France. And that kicked up a fuss. You know. President Hollande said, "Ah, I will talk to Obama, We will have a word with him. And I think a delegation from France is on its way to Washington to sort him out. Um, But in the middle of this charade, oh, of course, there's also Germany revelation. Another separate revelation is that Angela Merkel's phone was tapped since 2002, i.e. before she became leader of that country. But in the midst of this, there was a report that actually... The source was from a U. It was from the NSA. They sort of dropped a hint that no, it wasn't us. It was the Israelis. Mm. Yeah. And yet the charade continues mm. with now a German team being sent to DC to discuss. I mean, they must know. I mean, well, just, they don't. They're idiots, you know. Oh, they're idiots, yeah. I mean, they're playing along they're playing with, a game. with the charade that
1: yeah. the yeah.
3: NSA is bad here. All up in arms about, oh, they're spying on us. When we're spying, the Germans are spying on everybody, okay. everybody's spying on each other. They're all a bunch of idiots. I mean, it's just so disgusting. I, I just, like, I just, yeah. I, I thumb my nose at the whole lot of them. And yeah. to give you
5: an idea of how I thumb at you. And, and during the protest, uh, Snowden was uh, depicted as a hero, revealing uh, truth and uh, he made a statement and during this statement he said yeah all those bad behaviors that's really bad spying but beware you people in power the elections are getting close so you have another sword and that first point the finger at the wrong culprit and essay in city of israel in addition who maintained the illusion that was emphasized by uh, brandt that elections will affect democracy could change anything.
3: I have one thing to say about Israel. Here is Snowden. Sum up Israel. The ADL publishes every year a list of the top anti-Israel groups in America. And a list of top 10 anti-Israel groups in America in 2013. Uh, Well, there's 10 of them. But the number one anti-Israel group in America today is Act Now to Stop War and End Racism. Wow. So, uh, just We're just jamming. think about that. Think about that for a moment, okay. and uh, it just because it, speaks volumes. You know, they shouldn't have published that list because the list of people who are all anti-war, anti-racism, anti-evil doing, and the ADL, Israel's mouthpiece in the US, is saying these people are against us. They want us to stop being warmongers and racist. And racist. And, uh, they should <laughs> stop wanting us to stop.
1: Well, oh, I don't forget I, it. I, I watched this. Um, this interesting French program, oh, maybe I'll. And, and it was basically like a bunch of, of, of African Americans were, were basically saying that you know, the African Americans are, are not very well represented in the media. And there were some representatives from, from basically like an ADL type of group who were just saying, well, who's overrepresented? I, I was just it was saying, like an interesting question <laughs> they didn't answer nobody did <laughs> everyone was like no we're just saying there's not enough there's not enough uh, people of other ethnicities
5: yeah. well it, it went further this discussion i watched it too
1: yeah
2: it
5: and funny. then the journalist said what are you implying are you talking about again a kind of jewish uh, zionist media
3: <inaudible> conspiracy and ruling the media and ruling the world and-
5: it was been there.
3: Okay, so just just to clarify, there on that ADL list, the, the 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 top the number one anti-Israel group in America today is a group called Act Now to Stop War and End R- uh, Racism. Uh, I just I just got a message that it uh, wasn't very clear in in the name of that group. So the point being, the Israelis in America are complaining that people are trying to stop them being warmongers and racists. And they're doing that publicly. And so, PR, do they have a PR department? Maybe not. Anyway. But right there, they're saying that we
4: we prefer war. We well, pretty war. much
3: the people who are against them are the people who are against war and racism. And, and they're complaining think, about them being against them.
5: yeah I think it's more than that. I think that between the line implicitly, what they acknowledge is that their very own identity is based on racism and war, war violence. Absolutely. So number one, the organization that fights
3: those two items okay maybe we might have another call here so we're gonna check it out hi caller what's your name where are you calling from hello hi welcome hey, to the um, show
7: thanks my name's Georgina. what's your name I'm...
3: Sarah okay uh,
7: yeah I'm, hello. I'm calling from France okay um yes you're I had a question but I wanted to start off with a comment. Okay. Um, You were talking about like anti-Islamic groups, uh, anti-terrorist groups and um, yeah, in terms of social pressure, um, what what Russell Brown said in his video, people might listen to that and then the next day simply forget it because they have a sort of prejudice against Russell because different people have different perception of things or somebody mm-hmm. they care about might not take it as seriously.
2: Mhm.
7: Um so once the networking or yeah. Um in terms of networking or um, being able to like share that message, not exactly saying oh Russell Brand is a messiah, but what he's saying, um, mm-hmm. is there a way to be able to convey it? That because yeah, is there a, a yeah. appropriate way to kind of convey it that doesn't come across as offensive depending on the situation like okay people because he's quite yep. emotional in the yeah in
1: himself. Mm-hmm. well I mean I guess if you want to share what Russell Brand is saying the person's going to have to respond to the way that Russell Brand says it I mean he has a presentation for his message and if
3: well I think what she's saying is, is there a way for people to take that message and transmit it in a different way or in a way that uh reaches a broader audience that reduces the chance that 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 it would be offensive to some people in the way that brand says it yeah and yeah there is I mean people just need to take the core ideas of that government is corrupt that voting does not work to cite the examples to cite the examples of corruption and just talk about it in a uh, level-headed way that that marshals the facts and to, to spread that and that's what we've been saying for people to take that core message and to spread it around in whatever way, whatever means they have to spread it, to do that, to discuss it amongst each other and to, and don't even, re- don't even reference Russell Brand, this is the point. He just transmitted yeah. some information that is universal and is the truth and that is above and beyond any individual person. So each, it belongs to each person. Each person claims it and then talks about it in the way that it is most meaningful to them. And, and uh and this truth is very
5: simple and quite universal, so you can apply it to your personal experience in your field of activity, to your country, to this or that era of history. Uh, but fundamentally, it's always the same core problem
1: yep.
5: that for centuries we are struggling against.
1: Mm-hmm. In every country, there's, there's no perfect country right now. No. Unfortunately, the it's universal. The, it same the same problems. Everywhere. So there's no end of, of material that you can communicate with somebody on because you don't have to it doesn't have to be for France or England or America or Germany any of those countries all of those countries have the exact same problems as everyone else there is no perfect country there's no good country there's no yeah, yeah. I mean it's, it's all rotten to the core when
3: people need to get together and network about it and share their experiences and come up with a you know a common understanding and and in that way, groups together have more force and more impact, even in just their the the holding of that information and that awareness together. I mean, that that's better than you know any one individual trying to as
4: as regards of on the BBC as regards offending people. Um, well, I, I wouldn't throw complete caution to the wind and say don't worry about it altogether. But if you think of, I mean, in Brown's case, he's a comedian. So he's been working ways for years how to make it appealable, to, funny to people mm-hmm. without blowback on him. And that's, that's something we could, I mean, everyone could be doing that. Right. But, yeah, I, I think if you really feel it, and it's the truth, as best you know it, you just say it. Yeah, I mean, if a person's offending the next the, person, the I mean, we're, we're not, no one's going to say anything. We're all going to turn into complete mutes. We've got it. We've got the caution to the what are, there?
1: Gonna, what are you gonna do with somebody who's offended with the truth yeah. I mean at that point you know yeah, it's we'll, the lost we'll move on to the next person
5: yeah. you,
0: know?
5: you will never please everybody in any case okay. and you will never reach anybody and although this truth is very simple I think it's really important if you want to convey it to repeat mm-hmm. it as many times as possible and with different examples different contexts, different tone different style you know to reach as many people as possible and uh, Because,
1: and and throughout history, there's you know, there there is something to be said for um, the truths that make people uncomfortable have a a higher probability of of destabilizing their their delusional reality. You know, I mean, if you try to sugarcoat it too much, you make it too easy for them to ignore it. You know, and so there is something about shaking things up a little bit with yeah with an uncomfortable truth, as Al Gore would put it.
7: One so of the reasons up? I ask. Um, Go ahead. Yeah, because tribes, I find, commonly, especially those who are, I say, are able to do something, but those who are most oppressed, um, they end up in that believing in lies or habits to kind of, you know, get through. And it's it's not as easy as say in the Western society, people are educated. Um, they speak English, um so they kind of understand that message without the without um kind of having it seen as something against them. Mhm. Okay. Um, so because they've held yeah. on to these ways for years, generations and say Asia or Africa, like places where um they're kind of not secluded, but they're kept mm-hmm. out. Yeah, they're not as well-informed or up-to-date with right. what's going on. Yeah,
3: well, on. I don't know. Those people have to be informed, first of all, yeah. uh, to see if they yeah. actually care or if they're being affected by what's going on in the world. But that's what it comes down to. If, if, you, know, if you can point to areas where people are actually being negatively impacted by the state mm-hmm. of the world, uh, then yeah. they're going to respond to it. Uh, yeah. Well, to,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, on that topic, you know, there's this great uh, series of books and TV shows about this this woman named Miss Marple. You know, and she Mm -hmm. solves these crimes, but her entire experience of the world comes from her experiences in this very, very small English village, St. Mary Mead, or whatever it is. And Mm -hmm. so I believe that it is possible to translate all of those idioms that he's talking about, even into a local... I mean, I think that you could go into Africa and talk to, you know, a bushman about this mm. type of stuff. And I bet you, I guarantee you, he has an experience yeah. with some pathological individual, you know, even in that area of the world. And you can, yeah. but you're just going to have to translate that idiom to the, the locale, obviously. And, and I think that, against again, this core truth is
5: very simple. And I think people in Africa and Asia, Africa is a good example, I think those people are directly impacted by this uh, inequality yeah. by this uh, operation. So even, if, even though they may not have <coughs> <coughs> sorry, the same level of academic education as you can have in Western Europe or, or the US, which might not be a good uh, thing actually, yeah. but they live it every day, this operation. They see it right the, under their eyes. They see the, the lemos, the limousine, at the same time they see the baby dying in the street. So I think they will be right. re- re- very receptive because they leave it with every cell of their body and, uh, mm-hmm. and then for the one who wants to convey this truth you, you can always adapt the, the speech, the way you convey things to your audience, right. to your targets. And uh, if yeah. it's phrased in simple terms I think everybody can get it because it's right in front of our face because it's true.
1: Yeah. I, I think that, that like what Pierre was saying that basically in a certain sense Western culture can become a bit of a hindrance exactly you know uh, the indoctrination and and there was a a quote and I can't remember what it was exactly but it's something that's it's not the problem with the world is not that so many people are uneducated and ignorant it's that they know so many things that simply aren't true
3: exactly you know
1: and you when when you have a a, a highly educated person you're actually fighting against all the things that they believe are true which actually aren't yeah whereas if you just meet a, a Bushman you know down in Africa, he probably doesn't have as many preconceived notions about the world, and you could probably talk to him about stuff. And if you can translate that idiom, if you can talk to him uh, from his experience of life, yeah. then I, I think that you would find that he has a complete and rich experience of life, just like everybody else. It's just yeah. so he, maybe he's never watched a TV or maybe he's never, you know, been to Paris but that doesn't define civilized or uh, the, the capacity to think is not, you know, did you go to a polytechnic institute and get a higher degree? That, that doesn't define mm. a person not geographically specific. No, I mean human intelligence, you know, can you say he he can have all of the necessary experience for 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 understanding the world, you know, just out there living in the bush.
3: Boom.
7: <laughs> oh, okay, so Serafina.
3: Go
1: was, go ahead um, Sorry, this
7: last point. Yeah. Um I think People have to acknowledge their own suffering to be able to understand the extent, like, of others' suffering. Uh
3: huh. Exactly. It's true.
7: And and sometimes it's very because of the way things are set up. It's very hard for people to see themselves as vulnerable or weak. So, um, especially if they have been. Way to keep uh, I say a very straight face, um, to keep uh-huh. a strong front, and that happens quite often in the in tri- well, tribal areas. Yeah, especially religiously inculcated.
5: Yeah,
7: yeah it's so very
5: true. It. It's very true, and uh, <coughs> it's a modern syndrome. Where you see, in uh, modern societies where everybody pretends to be happy, is in denial mm. of negative emotion and. Yeah. And do, don't acknowledge it to others and to themselves. So difficult mm. to be aware of the suffering of the world if you're in denial of the your own suffering.
7: Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Um I really the show.
3: Thanks, Serafina, for calling in. Thank you, Seraphina. Have a good one. Thanks.
7: All
3: right. Bye. 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 Bye bye. <clears throat> All right. Um we're kind of out of time here. We were going to, given that Halloween is in four or five days, we were going to have a little bit of a Halloween special, but I think we should, we can talk about that kind of stuff. We, well, I, I don't want to, we couldn't really do it service. I don't think we'd do it service in uh, yeah in a no. short period of time because there's a lot of stuff in terms of all of the high strangeness and weirdness. So we're going to have to pick another week and maybe dedicate a, a longer period of time or maybe even, yeah. maybe even a full show to that topic. I think um, so, horror
1: John Keel style. Yeah, like the right. weird world. That yes. would be cool. Yeah, monsters. And monsters. It, it'll
4: it'll tie in in a big way for people who ever wonder why on earth thought with all his social political commentary tracks these kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Russell Brand says, wake up to reality. Well, part of our reality, which people just blank out for the most part, is very strange. some of these very strange things that are documented yeah. that have been studies scientifically that's beyond doubt doubt.
3: there's too many
1: yeah it's beyond doubt too much weird stuff to discount it as being just crazy we're talking about
3: the paranormal we're talking about cryptozoology so we're going to schedule a show on that on on all all and everything on high strange ghost stories yes (laughs) it's not because it's off the boundaries of official science that it doesn't exist absolutely most things
5: on the contrary
3: interesting are outside of that boundary um yeah. So next week next week we
4: have a very special guest. Doctor Nora Gabe I think you pronounce it. Gaudis. Yeah. She is the author of Primal Body, Primal Mind, so we'll be talking Ice Age diets. She's great. Mm-hmm. And Fat for the Brain and how to start that revolution yeah. in your
3: gut. <laughs> so if you haven't read that book
4: maybe pick it up and
3: get familiar with the topics and the ideas because it's a very interesting book, very important book. It's
1: like there's a party in my intestines and everyone's invited. And it's
3: very relevant, in fact, in terms of Ice Age diet because, uh, just as a parting shot here, there's already already been the earliest snowfalls in several states yep. in the U.S. when leaves were still on the trees and trees collapsed, branches fell because the leaves were still on the trees and the snow fell on them and they were yep. so heavy.
4: I, I remember last year, it was a big headline that Oh, wow, it's Halloween, and it's the 1st snowfall ever for, for some
3: states in the U.S. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this was a week before. Or more, yep. yeah. yeah. It was early October, and just recently as well. Yeah, yeah so I think we're looking into a very interesting uh, season mm-hmm. uh, this coming winter. Uh, Interest, interesting, in. interesting, being a euphemism for absolutely <laughs> terrifying. <laughs> this, ties in, this ties into our cryptozoology with the abominable snowman. Exactly, you know. I mean, so so we'll be obviously keeping keeping up uh, keeping abreast of that topic uh, as it evolves this winter. Um, so until then, thanks to our listeners and to our callers and to all our chatters. Uh, we will be back next week with the aforementioned interview. Until
1: then.
5: Have a good one.
1: Take care. Goodbye.